they have a proven track record already, I think, with being able to handle uh, a high-powered British IP. They've done it with Lord of the Rings. They're about to do it with Doctor Who. Welcome to Every Edition, the tabletop role-playing game talk show that's not limited to just one game, rule set, or style of play. We cover the latest incarnation of the world's most popular role-playing game, the old-school renaissance, and everything in between and adjacent. While we don't agree on everything, we do agree that rolling dice and assuming the roles of characters in a fictional setting is the greatest hobby in the world. Hello and welcome to Every Edition, your tabletop RPG talk show. I'm Jesse. I'm John. And today for our Loot the Body, we are looking at Kobold Press's Warlock Grimoire 2. Lots of stuff in is, there. It is jam-packed. It's dense. There's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> uh, we're also going to be taking a look. Our random encounter today is Old School Essentials, a game we've talked about before on the show, but we're going to do a little bit deeper dive and uh, Jesse and I both rolled up characters, mm-hmm. and we're going to give you our impressions of the game. It's interesting. Uh, I still don't really understand Thacko, and uh, <laughs> I'm right. really glad that it, this is my first experience with like old school stuff. Yeah, it's good. I want to. I'm anxious to hear your take on on the OSR, your first kind of kind of taste of mm-hmm. it. So. And of course, we have our morale check where we look at news of the week and new things going on in the RPG world. But first, John, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I am two episodes away from being finished with uh, Vox Machina. Okay. And uh, it's awesome. It's really great. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm watching it. Um, I'm watching it with my son, um, which he is a uh, he's a young teen. Okay. So it, it 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 feels okay, right? And he's a big tabletop fan, a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, and so uh, it's something that we're sharing together and watching together and. Um, it's definitely like I kind of hesitated there for a second because it's definitely not a show for kids. Wildly inappropriate. Um, wildly inappropriate. Like lots of cursing, lots of innuendo. Um, but I think if you have a teenager, like you know, that's that's kind of your call. Sure. And like you know, it's uh, it's what's happening in the hobby right now. So I I want him to. I want him to experience it in real time, and it, it's really fun to share it with him. And um, this is my first uh, exposure to uh to the world of critical role mm-hmm. and i'm in, i'm pretty impressed like i get the hype yeah i'm uh i, I didn't listen to their first or second campaign mm-hmm. but i am uh semi caught up with the third one yeah and i'm hoping that they do this with all of their campaigns oh it'd be a fantastic cycle they do it for the second one and yeah. then and then for the new one that they're doing now if they do a cartoon for each one please it's it's really good it helps uh, me visualize the characters too yeah and they they i don't know the sounds great the art's great I'm still uh, only only after the first episode. I've, I've not watched very much, um, but it seemed great, and everybody loves it. So. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's, 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 you know, in 12 episodes, mm. if I'm getting a whole season's worth of, of podcasts. And very compressed. It's, it's, uh, it's a good, efficient, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay with that aspect yeah, yeah. of it, too. It's, uh, but it's, it's really good. It's really fun. I'm enjoying watching it with my son. Mm. So Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I just got last week the digital copies of all of the things that I backed uh, on Kickstarter for the Ouroboros 5th edition project okay. made by Warchief Gaming. Awesome. So Warchief Gaming uh, is led by Chris Metzen 
who left Blizzard. Uh, they He was doing uh, all of their world building. He did all the world building and lore stuff for World of Warcraft and StarCraft and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, so he's like pretty well known for being really good at making worlds. Mm-hmm. And this is his first project as Warchief Gaming since then. Okay. And uh, it seems like this world is pretty fleshed out. Um, and they've, oh man, I, I've started to take a look through the world book. Uh, it, it's very, very dense. There's a lot of things. It's like over 400 pages. Yeah. Uh, but from what I've read so far and like the maps and things, it's it's very fleshed out. It's very interesting. Cool. Uh, definitely different um, than your typical sort of fantasy setting of Forgotten Realms, but still familiar enough that it's not like, you know, you're, you're jumping into a different sort of genre. Okay. Um, it's super interesting, and I uh, I can't wait to get the physical book so yeah, we can yeah. so we can show it off and talk about it on the podcast. But when's uh, when's the physical book uh, coming out? So I believe it should be here uh, no later than May. Okay. I think it was estimated to be late March, early April ish. Um, so and hopefully before the summer. Yeah, before summertime. Great. So far, no news of delays or anything like that. So that's super super good. And you know, I I sometimes hesitate when backing things on Kickstarter because I'm like, you know, oh, I'm giving them my money a year or two in advance. Am I going to get the thing? Yeah. And at least I got the digital thing, so I'm, like, satisfied for now. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. hopeful. When, uh, for those of us that didn't back the Kickstarter for, for Ouroboros, mm-hmm. when, uh, when is it going to hit the store shelves? So mass market stores like hobby stores or uh, Barnes & Noble and things like that should have access to that. Uh, in October, so like early-ish, um, fourth quarter, right sort of before holidays. Um, and then there's like the player's handbook, there's a world book, things like that. Very so, cool. All right, it's time for a morale check. So our morale checks are when we look at the news of the week and new things going on in the RPG space. And uh, this this time we have some pretty interesting things uh over on itch.io there is a bundle of tabletop rpg stuff of uh uh, 493 of them to be exact yes uh for five dollars which is nuts including things uh like planar compass things for morkborg marvel's 80s fazerip system Mm -hmm. yeah um a lot of different things uh but all of the proceeds are going to a uh sort of awesome uh, organization, two organizations that support trans rights in Texas. Yeah, and uh, this uh, this is like a no brainer. Yeah, absolute no brainer. If you want to help support the organizations, and if you want a ton of awesome RPG stuff, it's like two thousand dollars worth of <laughs> worth of RPG PDFs like, for five bucks. For five bucks, it's like, an absolute no brainer. Yeah, it's good cause. So uh, so go check it out. And uh, it's, it seems like also a good time to test out things that you were not necessarily um, on board for before. Yeah. Like if there's like 30 of the things of the 493 that you were excited <laughs> about, all of the other ones you get for free and get to try, you know. So just a quick glance through it. There's an awful lot of um, like Pathfinder second edition stuff. Okay. So that maybe this is going to be my introduction to the second edition of Pathfinder. Sure. I don't know. Um, my introduction was the uh, playtest book. Oh yeah. Not good. Yeah, yeah they changed a <laughs> yeah, lot. They from changed the, from the playtest to the actual second edition. So, uh, future episode. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Future episode. <laughs> well, so in other news, uh, over on Kickstarter, uh, there's a Kickstarter right now for Pirate Borg. God. Which is a hack of uh, Merkborg. It's going to be an A5 hardcover. 
It is scurvy ridden, rules light, art heavy, uh, based on Morkborg, written and illustrated by Luke uh, Scratton who's an indie artist and creator from Denver, Colorado. Okay. And uh, it's going to include uh, rules for naval combat, which are going to be brand new. Okay. And also have classes specific for, um, for uh, you know, pirate-themed Swashbuckling. games. Yeah. Exactly. So if you love Merkborg or you love pirates, uh, this looks awesome. Mm. I'm, I'm definitely backing it on, uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but Cyberpunk Red is officially out on Roll20. Let's go. So if you are looking for a good place to play, uh, online is the best. Um, I know at least in, in our area, it's very difficult to get people to play anything other than 5th edition <laughs> D&D. Uh, so wanting to play Cyberpunk Red, I picked it up. Um, it comes with the starter rules, uh, everything that comes in the starter set yep. uh, that we talked about last episode, and uh, a bunch of maps and all your, the player stuff and, and, and your, your core book and all that stuff. Uh, I will say that it is very fresh and very new. Okay. Um, new things on Roll20 are, uh, yeah, they're prone to hiccups. Ah. Uh, so far, uh, I don't think it's been fixed yet, but the character sheets were a bit buggy. So if you're not familiar with Roll20, you can open up your character sheet, click on something like a skill or whatever, and it'll automatically roll for you um so you don't have to like <clears throat> you don't have to like type in the uh in the chat like oh i want to roll 66s or whatever you can just click on the skill yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently the uh the, the character sheets are broken okay. <laughs> and they're not fixed yet so well let's uh, get that ironed out yeah it's 20. it's let's it's <laughs> it's on its way but it's still new um this is the first cyberpunk this official cyberpunk stuff on okay. roll 20 so i'm sure this they'll be ironed out in no time yeah well, and finally, uh, Cubicle 7, uh, which is a uh, British uh, game and tabletop role-playing game company, uh, they are releasing a 5th edition adaption, or excuse me, adaptation of Doctor Who. <laughs> it's going to be called uh, Doctors and Daleks. Oh, yeah. D&D, right? D &D. For Doctors and Daleks. Um <laughs> This sounds cool to me. So, yeah, so yeah, Cubicle yeah. 7 has already has a Doctor Who role-playing game. Uh, but more importantly, uh, they previously did a a fifth edition adaptation uh, of the uh, Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. right? And it's awesome. Adventures in Middle Earth. Yep. It's fantastic. Um, they also had a, a, a specific game called uh, The One Ring. Which uh, which was their their own uh, rule system, not based in fifth edition. Mm -hmm. um, so they have a proven track record already, I think, with being able to handle uh, a high powered British IP. They've done it with Lord of the Rings. They're about to do it with Doctor Who, where they've had their own game, and then they've done a fifth edition conversion. And truth be told, that fifth edition you know uh, conversion or version of the game is going to bring people to it. And then people then check out the original version as well. So it's a nice kind of like feeder, I think, for people to check out their Doctor Who, their original Doctor Who game. Um, <laughs> when you uh, when you first brought this up, I was like, wait, so they're doing a fifth edition adaptation of a game that they already have the rights to and yeah. already have a system for. Yep. That makes no sense. And then I thought about it a little bit more. Like, yeah, like you said, they've done it with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They did the exact same thing. It was wildly successful. Yep. And it drove people to play the initial One Ring game. Yep. And, I mean, I think more importantly, like, uh, Adventures in Middle Earth was fantastic. I still mm. think it's probably the best 
fifth edition uh, you know, expansion or campaign setting or whatever you want to call it. It's unfortunately right now out of print, mm. um, but I, I'm pretty sure Free League is going to be putting Adventures in Middle Earth back into print. They already put nice. the One Ring uh, back into print, and I, I think there's plans to do the the fifth edition nice. uh, Adventures in Middle Earth. So, but you know, back to Doctors and Daleks D and D. This got uh, this got slammed online. Uh, really? People saying like, "Hey, you know, Doctor Who's not about combat, and Dungeons and Dragons is all about combat." And it was a, it was just this big mess. And I was thinking, if there's anybody that can pull this off, it's Cubicle Seven. Sure. Like, what do you do, do? You do you know what they did? With they the, have their own game. <laughs> yeah, they they already have their own game. They, they and they've already they have a proven track record. Um, so I'm I can't wait. Like I think this is going to be excellent and. And, you know, I've, I've often thought about like, hey, I kind of want to get the Doctor Who books mm-hmm. and the Doctor Who game from Cubicle 7, but I clearly don't need more, you know, <laughs> more games and more books. But if it's a fifth edition book, then it kind of like it's not really, you know, it's easier. To yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it is a gateway. Like it does get you then to be like, well, I really like this. So I will get the uh, the other books, and I, I think it's brilliant. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's it's it's a really good gateway because it's fifth edition. It's a system that people are used to, so you can introduce it to a party or a group of people that may be hesitant about things that aren't D and D, and then sort of that opens the floodgate for them playing other games, yeah. which I've experienced a lot recently. And the, you know the major complaint, like oh D and D is all about combat, and Doctor Who is not is not combat heavy. D and D doesn't have to be combat heavy. That's I, I didn't that, that I, might be that might be one kind of game, but it, that's I've played plenty of games where like we've never had combat. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to put myself off on too much of a tangent because I know yeah. I can go off real quick <laughs> on this. But uh I, I think that if your D and D campaign or your D and D sessions are very combat heavy, I think that you need to re examine how you're playing the game and making sure that everybody involved is happy with that kind of game yeah. because certainly people are if they are great and, and that's that's awesome if that's yeah. how they want to play cool but most of the time you have a, a group that's either mixed or or maybe you know a little bit leaning on one side but uh i've definitely had session after session of like only rolling for role play or skill related things yeah and everybody still walks away from the table having a, a blast. Like, you don't always need oh. to swing your sword. Yeah, some of the best game sessions I've ever played are, like, you know, shopping trips. Yeah. Like, you go into a town and you kind of explore and check out check out the different stores and shops and, and get yourself into <laughs> Magic items. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, so. like, I'd say, like, 50% of the Doctor Who episodes that I've watched, the Doctor, like, has some sort of weapon. <laughs> it, like, it, it doesn't use it, like... To, to kill people, but he'll use or it to like... Or his companions. Or his companions, His yeah. companions, too. He, he does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be really good. And like I said, it's all about... For me, it's about Cubicle 7's proven track record. I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I, I think it's really clever. That I love that Doctors and Daleks D&D uh, thing. And it is going <laughs> to... It'll bring people to the... It'll bring people to their original game. So... It's uh, it's something to look forward to uh, coming soon. All right, so let us know what you think. Are you excited about Doctors and Daleks? You play some D and D. Let's play some D and D. Some <laughs> fifth edition D and D. Are do you stand behind Cubicle Seven's track record of being able to handle uh, British IPs and and do it well, or is this a signal that tabletop role playing is ending? Is this the end of tabletop <laughs> role playing as we know it? The Doctor's gonna ruin D and D. Hell yeah. Uh, well, let us know what you think. 
everyeditionrpg at gmail.com or check out everyeditionrpg.com. There you can find links to all of our socials, including Twitter, Facebook, uh, and Instagram. You can also find links to YouTube and to our podcast on Spotify and Apple. Uh, thanks a lot for those of you listening on our, our podcast. We appreciate you. And uh, hello, YouTube. <laughs> See ya. All right, it's time for a random encounter. Today's random encounter, we're taking a look at old school essentials from Necrotic Gnome. This is my first like old school non-fifth edition, like the furthest back that my D&D history goes is 3.5. Yeah. And I like barely played that. So this is this is a pretty pretty big jump for me. Cool. I can't wait to hear your your impression as a as a newer player, somebody mm. who's played a lot of fifth and kind of kind of going back. Yeah. We've talked about old school essentials before, but we've never done you know like a, 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 a real deep dive. Yeah. Deep dive, right? Yeah. And uh, the way we did this, you know, full disclosure, uh, Jesse and I both rolled up characters so that we could kind of get a feel for the for the game and the mechanics and how it works and mm-hmm. and get a get a taste for it. Um, but let me give you a quick uh, primer sure. on Old School Essentials. So Old School Essentials is a reformatting and a re-release of the basic and expert rules of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and so it is not a new game. It is just a new uh, presentation yeah. uh, of the game. And it's uh, this particular presentation and reorganization is put out by a guy named Gavin Norman. And he runs Necrotic Gnome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the the publisher of Old School Essentials. Old School Essentials started off. It's had it's had uh, two successful Kickstarters, and it, right now, as we're filming this, we're in the middle of their third uh, Kickstarter. And I've been fortunate enough to back all three of the Kickstarters that they've had. Nice. Um, their first Kickstarter was for a big, thick box that was um, for the the uh, the basic fantasy uh, game. Sure. And then they came out with the advanced uh, game. And the advanced game is new stuff. Mm. It actually is Gavin Norman's um, addition to the basic and expert game. So if you want that sort of classic uh, fantasy, uh, uh, the the untouched uh, basic and expert rules, then you go with the classic fantasy. Um, If you want to have a game that has some new updates... Then you go with the advanced fantasy. Sure. Uh, and the Kickstarter that's going on right now is really just a reprinting of both the classic and the advanced uh, fantasy rules. Get it into uh, more hands. Get it into more hands. Make it more uh, readily available. Um, it's, uh, you know, I would say the price tag for old school essentials, it's not cheap. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, but I also think you get what you pay for. It's a high quality book. It's the the book itself, like even just presentation wise, mm-hmm. is really nice. It's very sort of step by step. Um, the quality of the hardback is really nice. The, uh, the the printing quality is nice. I don't know. It just seems all around like a, a, a good bang for your buck. Yeah. So there's five core products that are going to be available for old school essentials. There's the classic fantasy rules tome, which is just BX, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reorganized and, and reintroduced. Then there's the player's tome for advanced fantasy. 
and the the rules tome for advanced fantasy, which is for your for for dungeon masters. And then there are the two box sets, which again, it's it's actually the same stuff. It's just modular versions sure. of the rules, so that if you're a spellcaster, you can just take the the hardcover module of uh, of all the spells, mm. and you're you're good to go. Um, and so those are collected in two box sets: one for classic fantasy and one for advanced fantasy. So five total projects, three books, and two box sets um, that are that are out for the game. We took a look at the Classic Fantasy Players Rules Tome, which yes. is an actually an older book that they're going to be phasing out because it's just the player-facing part of BX, and they're going to just move forward with a, a rules tome for BX that has everything. Hmm. Uh, but we, we were using the Classic Fantasy Players Rules Tome, which is BX for players mm-hmm. uh, and just the player facing stuff so Jesse what uh, first impression of an old school renaissance you know of the OSR game based so, on expert D&D creating a character immediately I felt handicapped oh no like by by choices and things like that but I you know soon adjusted okay because um, uh, you know going through a character sheet and going through the book you know you, you pick your your race your class whatever yeah. you want to do um, so I was looking at classes and it was like okay cleric uh, you know mage or whatever and then and I flipped the page and it was elf and then I flipped the page and it was dwarf yeah. and I was like wait did I miss something <laughs> did I, what happened here oh they have, they have their own stats they have their own level up systems like oh yep. oh and then I looked at the table of contents, and sure enough, you know, dwarf and elf and all that are their own classes. Yeah. So that was that that was that took me back, mm-hmm. um, and I had to readjust how I thought about the game. Yep. Because I'm coming from a, you know, Pathfinder two, D and D fifth edition, uh, you know, whatever. Everything is super open, and you can do whatever you want. Yep. And now you're sort of you know you're pigeonholed into very specific categories, and. It was interesting to create a character from that point of view because, like, you know, you do feel handicapped, but it is it, – it makes you feel creative in other ways. Yeah. Like, how I want to spend my gold. Mm-hmm. Typically in D&D, when I'm creating a character, I spend more time figuring out what my character looks like or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think about the equipment that they have and what they might use that equipment for. So I was – I think for this game, I went into it focusing on all of the wrong things. Mm. So as soon as I readjusted how I thought about it – it, it felt a little bit more open, and I, I honestly, I like the aspect. I haven't run it yet. I haven't played it yet, but I like the aspect of being um, pigeonholed or, or, or sort of, you know, forced into very specific categories. Less is more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't, yeah. don't want to sound, like, too negative mm-hmm. because I don't think that it's a negative thing. Yeah. I think it's just a different way to play the game that, that makes someone like me, a newer player, uh, rethink what I, what I like about a game and how I approach a game. That's interesting that you feel like it put more emphasis on equipment and, yeah. and shopping. That that's definitely I think true of of OSR games. It is more about sort of um, you know doing what you can with what little you have. Yep. Right. Uh, I'm thinking speci- specifically a game like Merkborg, mm. uh, where one of the first things you do do is roll your equipment, and that says more you know about who you are in that particular game than, than, than just about anything or really gives you that first glimpse of who your character is going to be. So I, th- I think you're right. Mm. I, I think it's true that it is. Uh, there's m- there are fewer choices uh, for, for you know, your, your character class. 
Um, but then other things come to other things come to fruition. And if if just saying like maybe I was in a party with another dwarf, like yeah, we might have the same path as we level up, but that puts a little bit more pressure on both of us to create our characters in such a way and, and push our characters in such a way where they become different distinct distinct yeah. yeah like you can be the same while being different yeah and uh I, I i think i like that challenge cool yeah so coming from a game like uh you know like pathfinder or like fifth edition totally get it that this would be a little bit a little bit jarring mm-hmm. uh but at the same time i'm glad that you recalibrated yeah i i didn't want to sour my experience like i definitely when I saw that, I didn't think anything negative. Yeah. So I'm I I was open to everything yeah. about this, um, and I think coming from a different game, uh, this is still D and D, but it does feel like a different game. You still have to be open minded, and yeah. and uh, I I think I think the pr- presentation of the book itself really lended itself well to that. Like if if I had a question about where something was, it was on the next page, mm. and you know going back to uh, uh, equipment and things like that, I was like. Really hoping because we rolled all of our stuff. Uh, I was really hoping that I would roll high for gold. Yeah, and I feel like I did. Um, so I, I had money to spend mm-hmm. on on interesting things that I think uh, could flesh out my character a little bit more. Yeah. So I did get a little bit of that customization itch sort of out. Cool, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the characters that we made and our experience of of character creation. So I, I went with an elf. I'm a dwarf. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Natural uh, enemies, apparently. <laughs> so, and one of the things I realized, so I did the uh, 3D6 down the line, yep. the way you're, the, you know, the old school method that you're supposed to use. And I realized you actually can, in this game, uh, create a character that doesn't survive. Character creation. So, and mine almost didn't. So I had a, I ended up with a five in constitution, <laughs> which is a negative two hit points. Right? Oh, two yeah, modif- yeah, yeah, two yeah. modifier, right? And then I rolled my, uh, you know, I rolled my uh, hit points. I rolled three hit points. So my character has one hit point. Now, if I would have rolled, <laughs> if I would have rolled two, the character would have died in character creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think right off the bat, I might house rule uh, that you would want to do max HP for first level. Sure. Uh, Unless you want, unless you want it to be okay that a character dies in character creation and then you just start over, like that's that happens in uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics <laughs> yeah, all the time yeah, when yeah. you're making zero level characters. Uh, but so character death is possible in character creation in uh, in BX. So that was something I experienced. My one hit point elf. <laughs> what do you got, Jesse? So I I first want to talk about. Uh, the character sheet itself. Oh, sure. It's very flowy, in basically in tandem with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did the the stats right down the row. Uh, I didn't have very much bad luck. My dexterity is nine, which is my lowest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did do You're some. Lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my dwarf is definitely more physical focused. So I, I, I you know. Uh, in this game, you can change around your stats a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take two points away from uh, any of your strength, intelligence, or wisdom and uh, uh, put a point into one of those. So mm-hmm. you can sort of, you know, adjust your roles uh, once they're set in stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did pump my strength up and lower my intelligence a little bit. But overall, I, I think uh, my character seems very balanced and will, in fact, survive. <laughs> cool. uh, character creation uh, because my roles were pretty pretty good so yeah the uh, the one part of the game that I, I want to uh, talk a little bit about because I think it's probably the most different or the 
you know, and the most different from fifth edition. Yeah, I guess uh, it's the exploration section. Sure. It's talking, you know, listening at doors, opening uh, stuck doors, finding secret doors and find and remove traps. Now, neither of us made a thief. Correct. And if you make a thief, uh, they have their own special skill sets that actually work on a on a hundred point. Oh, you're rolling a percentile die. Right? Sure. Um, but what the exploration section does is it gives everybody, regardless whether they're a thief or not, gives everybody some access to some thief-like sort of stuff. Sure. Right. Um, which I think you know makes some you know makes some sense. Like finding a secret door. Well, anybody should be able to kind of do that. Just kind of poking around, trying around, or finding traps. Mm. Uh, you know that that kind of stuff. And so this this gives you a way to to do it. The thing that's interesting about the exploration section is you're rolling a d6. Yeah, right? so the I was confused at first by the blank in six. Yeah. So that basically means your chances when rolling a d6 um, for doing whatever it is. Yep. So like my exploration for listening at doors is two and six. So if you get a one or a two, you succeed. Correct. Yep. Which seems, you know, par for the course. I'm not a thief or, or anything like that. Um, so my chances aren't going to be very high, but they're still going to exist. Mm-hmm. So, and it, they use the uh, the blank in six mechanic uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, around the game, and I, I really like that. Well, and that to me, and just you know, pulling back the curtain, that is the the, the part of the rules that are the most different from what you might be expecting if you're coming from third edition or fifth edition yeah. or Pathfinder or something like that. It is that it is that occasionally rolling a D six and you got a one in six chance or a or a two in six chance to make something happen. The uh, the, the saving throws are are the, the original sort of like expanded and specific uh, saving throws mm. uh, of your right with, with breath weapon and 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 uh, paralyzation, petrification, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was definitely like, you know, coming from 5th edition, um, where everything is so D20-based and mm-hmm. so uh, dexterity check-based, um, having a specific spot on the character sheet where you mark down, you know, what it is you can save against when it comes to death or poison, mm-hmm. um, instead of having to just, you know, keep rolling with advantage or disadvantage mm-hmm. or any, any of that jazz. Uh, having it right on the character sheet is really nice, um, and it's it seems you know like each of the different saving throws are different for different purposes. Mm-hmm. And, you know. and there is you know again looking at the character sheet, if you're doing an ability check, you're rolling under or equal on yep. a d20, and if you're doing a saving throw, you're rolling over mm-hmm. or equal. So it's inconsistent. That was one of the things that like third edition came along and, and did. Uh, was make sort of things consistent that you're always trying to roll high. Sure. Uh, in in basic and expert in old school essentials, sometimes you're trying to roll high, sometimes you're trying to roll low, sometimes you're rolling a d20, <laughs> sometimes you're rolling a d6. That is, uh, you know, if you like that flavor, uh, you know, it's not hard to learn. But if you're looking for, uh, you know, consistency like mm. you have in fifth edition, it's not as elegant. Like, yeah. To, you know, just to be. Just to be frank, I could see like coming from a DM's perspective, uh, there are definitely a lot of superstitious D and D players, mm. <laughs> and they're always like, "Yeah, every time I roll, I get a one," and it's okay. Well, maybe you want to play the system so that sometimes you do want to get a one, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but sometimes you want a twenty, yeah, whatever. So again, we have a game that focuses or has a a, a need for hirelings. Mm, mm-hmm. I think this is something that I'm growing ever increasingly uh, interested in yeah. bringing into 5th edition 
thinking about when you when you tell your party, hey, you know, you're going to go into a dungeon. Do you want to bring everything you own with you? (laughs) Most of the time they'll be like, yeah, sure, whatever. But then you realize how many weapons you have and how many bags you have and packs and things like that. Like you're not going to be able to fight. Nobody really uses encumbrance rules. But in old school, you kind of got to think about that. Yeah. Well, so your charisma is connected to how many... Uh, loyal retainers you can have, right? Mm-hmm. How many pe- how many hirelings you can have? How many people you can have that are working for you? And the higher charisma you have, the more people you can have, so the more stuff yeah. you can carry. Um, otherwise, you know, charisma in this game really could just be a dump stat. It right? seems very dump stat. Like, yeah. It, it, you know, unless you do like immense amount of role playing, which doesn't really fit this uh, charisma, just seems you know. For hirelings, would be really good for. Yeah, so you have to. I think you have to play up the, the 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 retainers angle in order to make charisma actually mean something. And then, if you're very charismatic, you're going to be able to have more gold, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that's the you know at the end of the day, that's kind of why you would want to have a a, a high charisma. I also uh, like that the alignments are sort of um, you know trimmed down. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of discussion and a lot of. Uh, uh, I don't know, people like and people don't like the current nine mm-hmm. alignment system and how people play it or people don't play it. I think this is very, you know, oh, you're lawful, you're chaotic, or you're neutral. Yeah. Easy uh, enough. I really like the simple three align, and then you let your uh, your actions determine whether you're good or evil. Yeah. Right? Um, I think there's. I think that's kind of elegant in its simplicity. Like, rather than having the nine quadrants, right? yeah, and you're kind of pigeonholed into this one thing, which doesn't ring true really of of how people really are, right? Yeah, how, yeah. How they, you might like, fluctuate. Yeah, but but having some kind of tilt, some kind of lean. You're lawful. You're chaotic. You're neutral, and then your actions determine whether you're you're good or evil. And that could be, you know, uh, that that could fluctuate. Yeah. Right. Like in a in a given situation, maybe you do perform. An evil action, and in another situation, you perform a good action. Well, that that rings true too. So I'm I'm actually you know Dungeon Crawl Classics has the has the traditional three alignments, and and so does uh, Old School Essentials and BX. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in going back to the original three alignments. It's also um, like thinking about being a new player mm-hmm. when you're going into fifth edition. There's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to alignment. Like a lot of times new players don't really care about alignment and they see nine different options and they're not quite sure what each one is different to the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, when you come into this as a new player, it's very clear there's three options. They all sound like what they do. Yep. Um, <laughs> this this game seems like oddly new player friendly. Yes. And when, when thinking about it uh, for this episode, I, I was thinking about, you know, could I introduce this to somebody if we're like going camping, mm-hmm. could, I, could I do this at a night going camping? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think it would take mm-hmm. a little bit of time to get everybody situated. But you could run a one shot in, in one night and say like, you know, six hours if you spend a little bit of time on character creation. And you could have a, a party of all new people and, and have a really good good time. I think this lends itself very well to uh, people who are familiar with D&D, mm-hmm. but also um, somewhat new people. Yeah. And this is, I mean going back to talking about the exploration section mm. this is built for dungeon delving yes i mean that's what that's what this is this is this is almost like um if, if you're a lover of the hero quest board game this is almost like a more advanced version of the hero <laughs> quest board game right so basic D D is like more you know uh advanced hero quest yeah, yeah. there was an advanced hero quest <laughs> just so everybody you know 
Um, but that's not not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that this, you know, it is for dungeon delving. Yeah. It really is. And and so if you want to play a, a, a dungeon delving game, this is a great one. Um, and I think it. I think in some aspects it does give everybody because of that exploration uh, component there. Everybody uh, is a little bit more clued in or focused in on, you know, finding secret doors, yeah, finding yeah. traps, you know, uh, listening at the door, like all the sort of uh, tropes of a dungeon delve. Yeah, why? Why would you, you know, think not think to do it? It's on your character sheet. Right. It says listen at the door. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe I'll listen at that next door. Yep. <laughs> and it's less, you know, and it's not as like. You know, a big list of skills, even in 5th edition, it's, mm. it's it's a lot, right? This is just like you say, hey, take a look at, if you're the DM, like, take a look at your exploration section to see some of your options. Sure. Right? And there's four. <laughs> bada boom, bada bing, right? Easy. Um, so it, 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 it I mean, and, and it makes sense too, like, obviously basic, what the basic game was meant to be the starter mm. set, right? The, the, the introduction to D&D. So I... I, the fact that you still feel like, hey, this is new player friendly, or this is a great a great way to introduce somebody to role playing. Um, yeah, that's that's cool because that means the game's holding up. That's yeah, was, yeah, that's what it was designed. Forty to years be. later, <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Final thoughts. We'll do some final thoughts here about um, old school essentials. Uh, I'm a fan. Mm. I really like uh, old school essentials. I think it's done a great job uh, bringing BX. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons back into print and uh, making it accessible mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, kind of showing you some of the things that are missing from uh, more modern games that that they're actually the OSR has something to offer. It's not just a bunch of people on a nostalgia trip. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a slightly different game. And I think if you if you kind of know where the game came from. Uh, you have a better appreciation for the things that are that are going well, and also an understanding of why you know some people might uh, might want to come back yeah. to older editions of of Dungeons and Dragons. I think um, if if I were to run a dungeon, just like say maybe a one shot dungeon for a group of people who really just want a dungeon delve, I would take them away from Fifth Edition and make them use old school essentials. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it's it's very much for that. Um, it's very easy for for players, even coming from fifth edition. Uh, as soon as you get over the fact that you don't have like the video game or board game sort of customization aspect, mm -hmm. it's it's very simple. Um, maybe maybe you'll have to do some research. I know I will on Thaco. <laughs> it, it just trips me up every time. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, so worth so worth mentioning because we didn't talk about it yet. Uh, old School Essentials does offer you Ascending Armor Class. So yep. you can use Descending Armor Class, the, the the classic way, or you can use Ascending Armor Class, which is what we all know and love from 3rd Edition on. Yeah. Um, and so I, I actually I, I did mine with Ascending, Ascending Armor Class. Yeah. I, I don't bother with Descending Armor Class anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I'm thankful that Old School Essentials gives you both. Sure, just in uh, case. So you can, do, you can do whatever feels right for you and your, your group. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I like the uh, customization options with um, your equipment. Um, basically, being a dwarf, I could I could pick up anything that I wanted. So I could be an axe user or a two-handed sword user or whatever. Um, I I didn't get a chance because I'm a dwarf to uh, to really get into uh, spell casting. I was going more melee and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so I would like to take a look at that, but 
you know, par for the course, everything's like pretty simple. Um, it's one character sheet, like one page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like that. Having three character sheets in D&D can be a lot, especially yep. if you're taking notes, too. Yep. I, I, I think overall, I'm excited about Old School Essentials. I'm excited to see what new stuff comes in the future. I do want to use this system in my own games, and I want to use this system to build on new things uh, and new inve- new adventures and you know new classes, maybe. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Cool. So let us know what you think about Old School Essentials. You've heard us talk about it in uh, basically every episode that we've recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. Uh, now having a chance to sort of deep dive into the character creation, I definitely think that I'm going to play more of it. Uh, so uh, drop us a line over at everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. You can also check out all of our socials at everyeditionrpg.com, where we have links to all of our you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, podcasts on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, you can leave us a comment whether or not you, uh, you you think you'd play Old School Essentials or if you're backing the Kickstarter that's currently going on right now. It's time to loot the body. For today's Loot the Body, we are looking at Kobold Press's Warlock Grimoire Number 2. Ooh. This is a compilation of their uh, zine for issues 10 through 19. Uh, this has a ton of lore and a ton of magic items, and uh, it's great. It's great for DMs like me who just love to buy books and zines and things <laughs> and pilfer for yes. my own games. It's it's uh, it's fantastic. It's these a good are, read. These are rich for pilfering. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> well, most of the lore in it is uh, is pretty Midgard specific, mm-hmm. but there mm-hmm. are tons of nuggets that you can take from the Midgard lore or or from the different articles and put them in your own game wherever it happens. To yeah, be. yeah, yeah. So the my f- absolute favorite section uh, of this particular volume of the lore, Warlock uh, Grimoire is. Uh, is the the magic section sure and uh there's an article in there uh on 11 staves of midgard <laughs> right um so again it's midgard specific but obviously you can just take whatever you want yeah just replace the word midgard yeah, and, and go to town <laughs> so there there it's basically the, the 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 11 staves in this book are sort of thematic bundles for spells okay so there's uh like a crystal staff uh, there's a spider staff, there's a wind staff, there's a winter staff, and the power of the staff is to cast spells that are in keeping with the theme. Sure. You know, of the staff. Cold spells with right. the winter one. The winter one is cold spells, or, you know, the spider one lets you cast web and spider climb and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, and you're Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a it's a it's definitely one of those articles where it is pilfer friendly. Oh yeah, I mean, you oh, just yeah. grab it, grab and go. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing about it that has to be uh, Midgard uh, specific. And it's like really good for giving you ideas. Uh, I know myself as a DM when I read through like a monster book, like their Tome of Beasts mm-hmm. or something like this for magic items or whatnot. I'll look to it as a guide for how a magic item should look. Mm-hmm. or how a creature should be statted at this level or whatnot. So you could even use it as a base for your own thing. Yeah. One of the things also that, that struck me interesting about uh, Midgard in specific, and, and, and this is something that I guess Cobalt Press has been uh, putting out for a while now, but they have a, they have a character option that is uh, 
a, a white necromancer mm. as opposed to a dark necromancer. Sure. And so they sort of have broken up necromancy into sort of two different schools, one that's sort of the traditional evil and one that's sort of this more, uh, you know, focused on, I guess, life, yeah, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or life-affirming uh, type of uh, necromancy. And and so I, I haven't explored this uh, thoroughly yet. I just got en- enough of a taste of it to be like, oh, I'm curious about mm. how Cobalt Press, how Midgard is handling necromancy because they're clearly trying to do like a Glenda the Good Witch <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> thing in addition to having the, the, the bad witch. Um, and so I, I'm, I, that's, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're somebody who's really versed in Midgard and you want to drop a comment or send us a note about what you know about uh, white necromancers and dark necromancers, I'd appreciate it. It's definitely something that I'm going to be uh, looking into in the future. And picking up this, uh, uh, I do want to pick up the first one. I don't yeah. have the first one. Um, and I want to see where they sort of take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've tried to back a lot of their sort of bigger Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And I know Kobold has done a lot of things with World Anvil, which I'm very happy uh, uh, to use. And uh, I, I like supporting them. Yeah. Um, I will say that this is like, this is a binge-worthy read. Uh, there's a lot of articles of things going on, uh, a lot of things uh, uh uh, magic items and spells and stuff that you can you can really sort of delve into and uh well to be fair it's a, it's a good bathroom reader <laughs> <laughs> it's even the size of of some bathroom readers yeah. like, I, i've seen like uncle john's bathroom reader and they're and they're this size book so it's, <laughs> it fits right behind the right behind the toilet <laughs> it's yeah it's easy to carry too like i i sometimes carry around the tome of beast book we, yeah. we had talked about that a couple episodes ago and that thing is huge yeah trying to have, have that for like one or two monsters is nuts but bringing this or, around to a, to a party or a campaign uh, it's, it's a lot easier. Right? Yeah, I think overall it, it presents very well. Yeah, and I guess if you if you fall in love with the Warlock Grimoire, this is uh, these these hardcover collections. The, the third one just came out, mm. um, and they are what a collection of the Patreon individual yep. Yep. issues, right? Um, so you can go ahead and jump on Patreon and get the individual issues one a month, mm. uh, and then they you know they collect them as these are essentially an annual. Yeah, once a yearish. Um, and so, like I said, the third one just came out at the beginning of uh, of, of 2022. Um, but we we both had copies of of the second one, and uh, so we've been uh, we've been uh, enjoying, enjoying. Yeah, this is great. I, I think Cobalt Press has has been an awesome third party creator for fifth edition, um, and some of the stuff that they do is a lot better and a lot more streamlined than Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast. I just picked up their uh, Midgard Player Handbook. So I'm oh. curious to to sort of get through that and uh, maybe even run some games in Midgard. Yeah, Midgard seems like a cool setting. I'd be mm-hmm. I'd be uh, I'd be down with that if you were down. <laughs> All right, well, thanks a lot, everybody. This has been uh, another episode of Every Edition, the Tabletop RPG Talk Show. I'm John. I'm Jesse. And uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Please make sure to interact with us on our socials, and uh, we'll see you next time. This has been Every Edition, the Tabletop RPG Talk Show. Contact us by emailing everyeditionrpg at gmail.com, and we may feature you in a future episode. Special thanks to the Elkars for providing all the music you hear on the show. Check out the Elkars album Bad Ends to hear all the songs featured in their entirety. Thanks for listening, and remember, it's not the edition you play, it's how you roll the dice. Mm.